Hello and welcome to Behind the Body Shop, the podcast that connects you to people within the automotive repair community. I'm your host, Kirsten Dodd. In this episode, we will talk about the repair, build and restoration of classic, vintage and show cars with Andrew Melton of Andrew's Automotive Restorations, who are located in Brayside, Victoria. We'll discuss the ins and outs of classic cars and the passion behind automotive restorations. Welcome, Andrew, and thank you for joining me on Behind the Body Shop. Now, your team specialises in ground-up restoration. Did you choose to specialise in this area of automotive or did it choose you? Uh, I would say that I chose it as opposed to uh, the other part of the industry, which is smash repairs. With restoration work, I found it a lot more satisfying, uh, being that it was more a positive uh, experience for the customer, whereas with the other side of it being smash repair, it's sort of a negative experience for the customer. They've had uh, an accident, their car's damaged, it's more of an inconvenience to them. uh, And and although they were happy to have their car repaired, uh, it was something that they probably preferred not to to have gone through. Uh, whereas with the restoration, uh, it's a lot more enjoyable for them. It's something that they want to do, something that they may have been looking forward to doing for a long time or been a dream of theirs, and uh, they can finally go ahead and do it. So they're probably the, the main reasons that I chose it. And is that like the main reward from your work, is the reward that your actual customers get from the quality of work that your team do? Definitely for myself uh, and I think for the other guys it, it is. I think just seeing uh, the response on the customer's face, being able to drive a car that they may or may not have driven ever or um, something that, that was a family heirloom like a you know, grandparent's car or something like that and just to relive the memories of being able to do that again and the memories of what that car uh, has with them um, and just seeing them drive away with a big smile on their face uh, is very, very rewarding and that the, yeah, mm. that's, the mo- that's what I get out of it the most. Yeah, and, and the people that you meet as a part of this industry, yes. um, can you tell me a little bit about your customers? Uh, look, they're all, all different types and uh, all different types of people. I'd say most of them are customers who not necessarily are very wealthy people. Um, they have a dream, they have a car, uh, or, or they've always wanted a particular car. Uh, and they're at a, a certain sort of point in their life where they can now afford to do that. Yeah, and then you've also got other people that sort of have collections of cars, so they're looking to add to that with a certain model and so on. So there's a fair different sort of uh, array of different client customers that come through, but majority of them are probably just family people um, that, that, that have a dream or, or have a car that's been in the family a long time and they want to restore it back to that original state. Mm. And your, your exposure to the amount of vehicles, like the different types of vehicles that you've seen yeah. as a part of um, your work there, does that create any issues because there are so many different brands of vehicle and eras? Yes, well, it doesn't so much cause issues. It's uh, it's different in the way that so, so much uh, variation between models and so on. So we don't do a lot of cars that are uh, the same. We, you know, we do repeat some models, but a lot of them are different. So it's a, a learning curve to learn uh, a lot of different ways that cars were constructed and, and the way to repair them and sourcing and, and or making the parts required to restore them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's always something different going on, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and just on that, Obviously, the restoration of vehicles takes a lot of time and a lot of skill. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your team? Yes, okay. With the cars that we do, uh, a lot of the parts, they're quite old, so a lot of the parts aren't available. So a lot of them have got to be handmade. 
uh, especially with sheet metal and things like that. So it does require very skilled fabricators to be able to make and reconstruct correctly the body shapes and contours required uh, to rebuild the cars. And that goes with the mechanical parts as well uh, and just bits and pieces that are just no longer available and have to be either basically torn down and reconstructed with new made components or totally made from new. So, you know, along with the car's age, if there are any parts out there available, they're also 50, 60, 70 years old. So they also come with their own, uh, they've aged as well, even though they may not have been used, especially when it comes to electrical components and things like that, they're aged as well. So sometimes it is quite a bit of a task to find the bits and pieces that you need, but it is quite rewarding when you can sort of build a car that the parts just aren't available for anymore. Looking for the perfect refinish colour? You'll find it in a flash, thanks to Glazerit's unique colour competence. Whether it's automotive refinish products, commercial vehicle paints or classic car paints, our conventional and digital solutions for colour take body shops to the right colour quickly and reliably, backed by the world's largest colour library. Visit the colour page for more information. Glazerit.com forward slash AU. Colour competence. It's in our nature. And just on the flip side of um, the age of vehicles, are you getting any queries from customers about um, converting to electronic? Not as yet. There has been a little bit of talk about it. I know it's very popular for the electric-powered vehicles uh, in the States. There's companies over there that are doing complete drop-in platforms for late-model, also late-model drivetrains to go into early-model cars, and that's possibly the uh, the way in the future. Uh, Petrol motors sort of, you know, being sort of wound down, you know, the production and so on with environmental impact and so on. So, yeah, look, we've spoken about it and I think that will be the way of the future. Being Australia being a lot smaller, you know, than an American market and things like that, it will take longer to catch on, but I think it will eventually get that way. So restoring your classic vehicles to their former glory, can you tell me about the worst and the best examples of the amount of work involved? Okay, uh, we tend to get some pretty average cars come through here because we're capable of fixing them. So, and that's a good and a bad thing. Uh, the good thing is because you know I'm happy that we can do it. But the bad part is that they are massive jobs. Most of the cars that we deal with, they're totally stripped down. Not only uh, every nut and bolt down to the sort of uh, to the frame, but also the outer skins of the sheet metal uh, are removed basically just to the, the, the structural members behind, and they're all media blasted and now uh, brought back from that condition. So even cars that are sort of uh, not as bad as what you think, you'd be surprised at how bad they're underneath. So the main thing is strip them down, get all the paint off, have, have a good look at what's going on. We're very rarely surprised with how good something is. They're normally worse than, uh, than you think. So you normally just see the tip of the iceberg, you know, when you see a little bit of rust or something going on which is, yeah, a shame because it just means more work, uh, unfortunately, for the customer. Yeah. And and you use Glazerit 90 line. Yes. Um, and I guess in restoration it might be a bit unusual to use a waterborne line as opposed to solvent. Can I ask why you choose Glazerit 90 line? Okay, I choose uh, Glazerit 90 line for the reason being that I, I believe that it was going to be eventually uh, mandatory across Australia to use it. it may or may not happen it isn't definitely a lot of other parts of the world because of um, you know uh, EPA sort of restrictions and things like that uh, so I thought might as well just get into it uh, earlier rather than later and get familiar with it and um, and, and sort of it has a, a, a really good array of different colors and, and uh, finishes you can get which you can't really achieve with solvent base coat uh, I think it's a lot brighter and cleaner in a lot a lot of aspects 
Um, yes, you've got to change a little bit of the way that, that you work and how you operate, especially with multicoloured cars or two-tones and things like that. But once you get ahead, your head around how water-based or waterborne product works, yeah, it's, it's sort of no problem at all. Very easy to use and um, I wouldn't go back to now using it for so long. So I know your team have a preference for the type of clears on your jobs as well. Yep. Can you explain what clears you like and the finish that they provide? Okay, so what we use uh, is the medium sold clears mostly. The main reason for that being is that we can stack the coats. With a lot of the finishes that we do, the clients are looking for uh, a flat uh, orange peel free finish. And to do so, you need to have enough product on there uh, to be able to flatten it and, and polish it up and also give a good lifespan in the way that down the track these cars are going to be polished and cleaned and whatever really looked after so you want to have a good amount of product on there so to do that we need to put quite a few uh, coats on and a medium solid product uh, like the 525 clear allows us to do that uh, without any side effects of um, of some of the high solid clears uh, when you stack them too thickly so okay yeah which includes curing and all that sort of stuff which can be an issue uh, but with those with the medium solid clear we have no issue with it yeah find it very reliable. And, and you've mentioned to me previously, because I interviewed you back in 2019 when we did a story on your business there, yeah. that most of the work comes through word of mouth. So what do you think your customers are saying to others to create that work for you? Uh, I'm not sure um, exactly what they're saying. I suppose the cars speak for themselves. When the cars are out and about, uh, I think word of mouth and just recommendation from seeing the work and seeing the product and also talking to the customer, I think that's uh, yeah probably the main reason uh, mm. you, you sort of you can read things and you can look at things but I think when you've got someone that's had a great experience with their car restoration I think that sort of um, goes a long way to giving them confidence to to them yeah come and see it. so when it comes to showing vehicles yes. and I know one of your customers yours and your team showed a vehicle at Maguire's Motorex recently what what are the competition judges looking for in the vehicles that are entered into award categories okay but there's all different categories they look for they're looking for obviously consistency and, and depending on the, the level also of the show as well. Majority of the people are just sort of doing uh, small shows and they're not sort of elite. But when you're talking Motor X and some of those shows, they're, they're sort of quite high up, probably some of the higher uh, elite shows that are in Australia. The judges are looking for a lot of different things. It basically perfection is what they're looking for in pretty much uh, every aspect. So whether it be under the car, in inside the car, wherever, basically every piece just needs to be perfect uh, if, if that's the sort of um, the, the, the quality that you're looking for and the, and the class of show that you're going to go to. Mm. So. And, and with, the, with the customers or, or the visitors that come into those shows, yeah. uh, do you get a lot of feedback from them? Yes, you do. A lot of people in this industry, there's a lot of people that are um, very happy to tell you what they think. They're quite vocal about what they think, whether they like or don't like something. And that that sort of um, is very apparent when it comes to customising cars. If you've done something that's not quite um, you know, as it was originally, uh, you upset some people with, uh, you know, some love it and others really like that original for whatever reason, whatever it might be. Because a car the way it was when it was new, everyone sort of has the idea, well, that's fine and it's very acceptable at that. And as soon as you start going out from that, it becomes very personal and sometimes just a preference of someone may or may not like. So, yeah, when you're customising cars and things like that, people get very uh, vocal about their, their opinions on whether it's a good or bad thing. Brush up on your skills anywhere, anytime. 
Need a quick recap on a paint process or product? Want to learn a new skill or improve your body shop's offering through certification? Whatever it is, our training module in Glasrock Refinity is up to the task. So with the crowd demographics as well, are most enthusiasts or do they own classic vehicles or? I'd say most of them are, yeah, car people that have cars and have, you know, have their own stuff at home and, and are either in, in the industry or, um, or just people that, you know, tinker around at home in the garage mm. and uh, just car people. So when, when it comes to showing vehicles with your customers in particular, do they choose to show the car or do you encourage them? No, I, I don't encourage them. Well, look, I, I don't mind if they do, of course. Um, I leave it up to them. That's their thing if they want to show it um, or, or not uh, or just enjoy it. So I leave that entirely up to the customer. Mm. Have there been any um, vehicles in particular that you've been, like, super proud of that your team have, have worked on? Yeah, look, I think a lot, most of the cars we're very proud of. Uh, we do a very good job on, on everything. We have a very high standard. So um, there's not really any cars that, that, that I'm not uh, super proud of. Uh, but there has been some nice cars. The last car we did, as you, as you mentioned, that went to MotorX, that was a Monaro that we presented in bare metal uh, with a clear coat over the top um, just for something different, and that had some very uh, neat metalwork done to that car. So that was basically to show that off, and that car may be painted at a later stage, but at this stage it was just to sort of present it as it was. It's painted underneath, it's painted inside, but that was a pretty special car with some um, unique modifications to that car as the customer wanted he had a certain theme that he was going for Mm. yeah very proud of that car yeah and I I know that the metal work that your team do is is pretty exceptional so I I can't blame you for wanting to show that as a part of uh, your signature I guess yes that's correct yeah Marty our fabricator I think he's the best in the game and uh, he's yeah amazing the, the, the work that he does for you so back back in 2019, you mentioned you had a Corvette that you were yeah. working on, or I think you might have had two, which is your personal cars. Is there any progress on that? No, look, uh, um, yeah, embarrassingly, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they may have moved in the workshop, um, but that's about as far as it's got. I've thought about it, um, but, yeah, and unfortunately I've bought an, another project since. So, yeah, but they'll get done eventually, but I need to, um, yeah, I need to sort of prioritise, I think, some time on those. But, yeah, uh, look, I just, I, yeah, eventually they'll get there. Is that a habit of the trade, buying passion projects? I think, yeah, and I was thinking about it the other day because it's a lot easier to buy it than it is to restore it, and I think that's the, the problem, you know, and so you just need to sort of um, get a little bit more tunnel vision on the project that you've got and just see it to its completion. Yeah. But the, the customers and friends and family, they wind me up enough about those cars that still not done. So I didn't need to add to that pain. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's fine. So what projects are next for the team? Uh, what have we got going on at the moment? We have a 1922 Sunbeam, which has gone out for mechanicals, uh, and that's um, that'll be coming back shortly, and that's an aluminium car and uh, a lot of timber in that car as well, being so early. So it's sort of timber frames with aluminium skins and things like that. That car will also be left in a raw state, of aluminium, uh, just the bright aluminium, and it will possibly have some parts painted. It'll be painted inside and underneath and also a frame and things like that. So we've got that. Uh, we also have a 50, uh, Chevrolet 56 sedan delivery, yeah, which is going to be restored. We also have a few Porsches on the go, which are going to be coming in, and they're sort of a later model, sort of an 80s sort of. Um, we're finding a few more of those sort of model cars are coming through now, sort of 80s and things like that. And I think it sort of changes with 
it's like a 25, 30 year rolling period where the new customers that are coming out will be that can now afford to maybe restore the cars, the cars that they grew up with and that they found that they always wanted in their youth, you know, and now sort of creeping up to the sort of uh, 80s models cars. So we're finding a few more of those starting to come through, whereas people maybe of sort of my age were more the 60s and 70s muscle cars, and they'll sort of eventually sort of flatten out, and then it'll sort of be like this rolling 25 years of, of, of interest. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say later models, and we realise now that the 80s is 40 years ago, and when you say that loud... <laughs> I know that's right, isn't it? It does sound it does sound weird, but and those cars present their own issues with restoration because of so much uh, of the cars made from plastic components, um, and they they just um, are, you know as you know plastics age uh, and tooling up to make certain components can be expensive, so they may or may not be able to be restored. Some of the some of the models and some of the bits and pieces, uh, but with modern technology with plastic printers and stuff now. That's also coming into its own space where that's providing uh, a lot of uh, products and things like that which were not available earlier. So, um, yeah, it's exciting because it's sort of like technology now is advancing so quickly. Uh, it's keeping up with um, possibly the demand of these these things that we just can't get parts for. Yeah, and is this plastic printing, or like you mentioned, the 3D printing, is that something yeah. you're looking into or you're actively engaged with? No, not at this stage. I keep an eye on it and I'm watching what people are doing and it's quite amazing the products that are available mm. and the product that you can get. The raw materials um, were very basic originally but now they can get um, you can get plastic that you can use for engine components uh, that can be 3D printed, uh, so they're heat resistant and all sorts. So, um, yeah, it is amazing. And when it comes to the external parts of the car, like trims and things like that, which normally perish because of the UV exposure and things like that, they can be made in a raw state in the plastic printer and then body worked and painted or finished in a way that would um, be more than acceptable. So, yeah, it is It is definitely something down the track which will be very valuable for restoration, no doubt. So have you got any advice for people looking for a career in um, restoration? Okay, the advice I would give them would be to find a good restoration shop and go and do your time there. Probably not Look, the th the, if you're a spray painter, I suppose, in, in, in you went for a smash, uh, into a smash shop, you're going to get a lot of work because there's you're going to be in the booth uh, spraying, spraying a lot of cars because of the quantity of work they do. But it's just different. It, it's, it's very different. A lot of people think it's similar, but it is very different. And it's just a different way and approach of patience and different skill set. So I definitely recommend go and find a really good shop that's that's quality restoration shop and uh, go and approach those guys and, and get a job there and start off and learn the right skills from the start required to, to do it. With, you know, as people get older and the, tra the older tradesmen are retiring, there's a lot of skills that are just um, possibly going to be lost if there's not young people coming through to learn those skills. Mm, mm. And for people wanting to restore their classic vehicles or their family heirlooms, as you mentioned, what advice would you give them? Okay, uh, so if you're going to, if you're looking to select a car, if you don't already have it, then I would suggest buy the best car you can. And what I mean by that is have someone that knows what they're looking at to help you purchase it, and spend a little bit more because you'll save in the long run uh, with the restoration cost. A lot of people get the idea that oh, I'll buy the cheapest that I can buy or this seems nice and cheap and we'll, we'll just do it up slowly in the garage and the skills required are not normally held by you know the average Joe Blow so they find they have to end up paying a shop to do it and if it's quite a basket case there's a lot of cost in getting that back to where it needs to be. 
And then for the for the family heirloom or the car that's been that was granddad's or dad's or whatever it may be, unfortunately that's the car that needs to be restored because that's what has the memories. So that's what you've got to deal with, and you just need to do what you need to do to that car. Yeah, to restore a car, it's hundreds of hours uh, and most of the time thousands of hours to restore them correctly. So it's not a cheap experience. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your passion for restoration. Fantastic. Thank you, Kirsten. Like all customers using BASF's refinished products, the team at Andrew's Automotive Restorations produce the highest quality of work to deliver outstanding service to their customers. From today's conversation, it is obvious that restoration is a unique business within the automotive repair industry. If you are taking on a restoration project, make sure you engage with someone who has the experience and expertise. On behalf of BASF, thank you for listening to Behind the Body Shop.